The boy was sad, as he left her that day. He thought of all the married efforts he had known. They had a difficult time convincing their wives that they had to go off into distant fields. Love required them to stay with the people they loved. He told Fatima that, at their next meeting, the desert takes our men from us, and they don't always return. She said, "We know that, and we are used to it. Those who don't return become a part of the clouds, a part of the animals that hide in the ravines, and of the water that comes from the earth. They become a part of everything. They become the soul of the world." Some do come back, and then the other women are happy because they believe that their men may one day return as well. I used to look at those women and envy them their happiness. Now, I too will be one of the women whose weight. I'm a desert woman, and I'm proud of that. I want my husband to wander as free as the wind that shapes the dawns, and if I have to, I will accept the fact that he has become a part of the clouds and the animals and the water of the desert. The boy went to look for the Englishman. He wanted to tell him about Fatima. He was surprised. When he saw that the Englishman had built himself a furnace outside his tent, it was a strange furnace, fueled by firewood, with a, a transparent flask hitting on the top. As the Englishman stared out at the desert, his eyes seemed brighter than they had. When he was reading his books, this is the first page of the job. He said, "I have to separate out the sulfur. To do that successfully, I must have no fear of failure. It was my fear of failure that first kept me from attempting the master work. Now I'm beginning what I could have started ten years ago." But I'm happy at least that I did wait twenty years. He continued to feed the fire, and the boy stayed on until the desert turned pink in the setting sun. He felt the urge to go out into the desert to see if its silence held the answers to his questions. He wandered for a while. Keeping the date palms of the oasis within sight, he listened to the wind, and felt the stones beneath his feet. Here and there, he found a shell, and realized that the desert, in remote times, had been a sea. He sat on a stone and allowed himself to become hypnotized by the horizon. He tried to deal with the concept of love as distinct 
from perception and couldn't separate them. But Fatima was a woman of the desert and if anything could help him to understand, it was the desert. As he sat there thinking, he sensed movement above him. Looking up, he saw a pair of hawks flying high in the sky. He watched the hawks as they, as they drift on the wind. Although their flight appeared to have no pattern, it makes a certain kind of sense to the boy. It was just that he couldn't grasp what it meant. He followed the movement of the birds, trying to read something into it. Maybe these desert birds could explain to him the meaning of love without ownership. He felt sleepy. In his heart, he wanted to remain awake but he also wanted to sleep. I am learning the language of the world and everything in the world is beginning to make sense to me, even the flight of the hawks, he said to himself. And in that mood, he was grateful to be in love. When you are in love, things make even more sense, he thought. Suddenly, one of the hawks made a flashing dive through the sky, attacking the other. As it did so, a sudden, fleeting image came to the boy, an army, with its source at the ready, riding into the oasis. The vision vanished immediately, but it had shaken him. He had heard people speak of mirages, and had already seen it some himself. They were desires that, because of their intensity, materialized over the sands of the desert. But he certainly didn't desire that an army invade the Oasis. He wanted to forget about the vision and return to his meditation. He tried again to concentrate on the pink sight of the desert and its stones, but there was something there in his heart that wouldn't allow him to do so. Always hit the omen, the old king had said. The boy recalled what he had seen in the vision and sensed that it was actually going to occur. He rose and made his way back towards the palm trees once again. He perceived in many languages in the things about him. This time, the desert was safe, and it was the horses that had become dangerous. The camel driver was seated at the base of the palm tree, observing the sunset. He saw the boy appear from the other side of the dunes. An army is coming, the boy said. I had the vision. The desert fills men's hearts with visions, the camel driver answered. But the boy told him about the hawks, that he had been watching their flights, and suddenly felt himself to have flushed to the soul of the world. The camel driver understood what the boy was saying. He knew that 
any given thing on the face of the earth could reveal the history of all things. One could open a book to any page, or look at a person's hand. One could turn a card or watch the flight of the birds, whatever the thing observed. One could find a connection with his experience of the moment. Actually, it wasn't that those things in themselves revealed anything at all. It was just that people, looking at what was occurring around them, could find the means of penetration to the soul of the world. The deserts were full of men who earned their living based on the ease with which they could penetrate to the soul of the world. They were known as seers, and they were held in fear by women and the elderly. Tribesmen were also wary of consulting them, because it would be impossible to be effective in battle if one knew that he was fated to die. The tribesmen preferred the taste of battle and the thrill of not knowing what the outcome would be. The future was already written by Allah, and what he had written was also always for the good of man. So the tribesmen lived only for the present, because the present was full of surprises, and they had to be aware of many things. Where was the enemy's source? Where was his hearts? What kind of blow should one deliver next in order to remain alive? The camel driver was not a fighter, and he had consulted with seers. Many of them had been right about what they said, why some had been wrong. Then one day, the oldest seer he had ever sought out, and the one most to be feared, have asked why the camel driver was so interested in the future. Well, so I can do things, he had responded, and so I can change those things that I don't want to happen. But then. They wouldn't be a part of your future," the seer had said. "Well, maybe I just want to know the future so I can prepare myself for what's coming. If good things are coming, they will be a pleasant surprise," said the seer. "If bad things are, and you know it in advance." You will suffer greatly before they even occur. I want to know about the future because I'm a man," the camel driver had said to the seer. And men always live their lives based on the future. The seer was a specialist in the casting of tricks. He threw them on the ground and made interpretations based on how they felt. That day he didn't like, and he didn't make a cast. He wrapped the twigs in the piece of 
clothes and put them back in his bag. I'm making my living forecasting the future for people, he said. I know the signs of the twigs, and I know how to use them to penetrate to the place where all this written. There I can read the past, discover what has already been forgotten, and understand the omens that are here in the present. When people consult me, it's not that I'm reading the future. I am guessing at the future. The future belongs to God, and it is only He who reveals it. Under extraordinary circumstances, how do I guess at the future? Based on the omens of the present, the secret is here in the present. If you pay attention to the present, you can improve upon it. And if you improve upon the, the present, what comes later will also be better. Forget about the future and live each day according to the teachings, confident that God loves his children. Each day in itself brings with it an eternity. The camel driver had asked what the circumstances were under which God would allow him to see the future. Only when he himself reveals it. And God only really reveals the future. When he does so, it is for only one reason. It's a future that was written so as to be altered. God has shown the boy the part of the future the camel driver thought. Why was it that he wanted the boy to serve as his instrument? Go and speak to the tribal chieftains, say the camel driver. Tell them about the armies that are approaching. They will laugh at me. They are men of the desert, and the men of the desert are used to dealing with omens. Well then, they probably already known. They are not concerned with that right now. They believe that if they have known about something about Allah, want them to know, someone will tell them about it. It was happened many times before, but this time the person is you. The boy thought of Fatima, and he decided he would go to see the ships of the tribes. The boy approached the guard at the front of the huge white tent at the center of the oasis. I want to see the ship tents. I've brought omens from the desert. Without responding, the god entered the tent, where he remained for some time. When he emerged, it was a young Arab dressed in white and gold. The boy told the younger man what he had seen. And the man asked him to wait there. 
he disappeared into the tent. Night fell, and an assortment of fighting men and merchants entered and excited the tent, one by one. The campfires were extinguished, and the oasis felt as quiet as the desert. Only the light in the great tent remained. During this time, the boy thought about Fatima, and he was still unable to understand his last conversation with her. Finally, after hours of waiting. The god bade the boy enter. The boy was astonished by what he saw inside. Never could he have imagined that there is, in the middle of the desert, there existed a tent like this one. The ground was covered with the most beautiful carpets, and he had never walked upon. And from the top of the structure hung lamps of hand-wrought gold, each with a lighted candle like this. The tribal chieftains were seated at the back of the tent in a semicircle, resting upon richly embroidered silk cushions. Servants came and went with silver trays laden with spices and tea. Other servants maintained the fires in the hookahs. The atmosphere was suffused with the sweet scents of smoke. There were eight servants, but the boy could see immediately which of them. Was the most important, an Arab dressed in white and gold, seated at the center of the semicircle. At his side was a young Arab the boy had spoken with earlier. Who is this stranger who speaks of omens? Asked one of the servants, eyeing the boy. It is I. The boy answered, and he told that what he had seen. Why would the desert reveal such things to a stranger when it knows that we have been here for generations? Said another of the chieftains, because my eyes are not yet accustomed to the desert. The boy said. I can see things that eyes habituated to the desert might not see, and also because I know about the soul of the world, he thought to himself. The oasis is neutral ground. No one attacks an oasis," said a third shipton. "I can only tell you what I saw. If you don't want to believe me." You don't have to do anything about it. The men fell into an animated discussion. They spoke in an Arabic dialect that the boy didn't understand. But when he made to leave, the god told him to stay. The boy became fearful. The omens told him 
that something was wrong. He regretted having spoken to the camel driver about what he had seen in the desert. Suddenly, the elder at the center smiled almost imperceptibly, and the boy felt better. The man hadn't participated in the discussion, and, in fact, hadn't said a word up to that point. But the boy was already used to the language of the world, and he could feel the vibrations of peace throughout the tent. Now his intuition was that he had been right in coming. The discussion ended. The shiptons were silent for a few moments as they listened to what the homeman was saying. Then he turned to the boy. This time his expression was cold and distant. Two thousand years ago, in the distant island, a man who believed in dreams was thrown into a dungeon and then sold as a slave. The old man said, now in the dialects that the boy understood, our merchants bought that man and brought him to Egypt. All of us know that whoever believes in dreams also knows how to interpret it. The elder continued, When the paragon dreamed of cows that were thin and cows that were fat, this man I'm speaking of rescued Egypt from famine. His name was Joseph. He, too, was a stranger in the strange land like you, and he was probably about your age. He paused, and his eyes were still unfriendly. We always observed the tradition. <clears throat> the tradition saved Egypt from famine in those days and made the Egyptians the wealthiest of pupils. The tradition teaches men how to cross the desert and how their children should marry. The tradition says that the Osses is neutral territory because both sides have Osses and so both are vulnerable. No one said a word as the old man continued. But the tradition also says that we should believe the messages of the desert. Everything we know was taught to us by the desert. The old man gave a signal and everyone stood. The meeting was over. The hookers were extinguished. And... The guard stood at attention. The boy made ready to leave, but the old man spoke again. Tomorrow, we are going to break the agreement that says that no one at the Osses may carry arms. 
throughout the entire day, we will be on the outlook for our enemies. When the sun sets, the men will once again surrender their arms to me. For every ten dead men among our enemies, you will receive a piece of gold. But arms cannot be drawn until they also go into battle. Arms are as capricious as the desert, and if they are not used, the next time they might not function. If at least one of them hasn't been used by the end of the day tomorrow, one will be used on you. When the boy left the tent, the oasis was illuminated only by the light of the full moon. He was twenty minutes from his tent and began to make his way there. He was alarmed by what had happened. He had succeeded in reaching through the soul of the world, and now the price for having done so might be his life. It was a frightening bet. But he had been making risky bets since the day he had sold his ship to pursue his personal legend. And, as the cable driver had said, to die tomorrow was no worse than dying on any other day. Every day was there to be lived or to mark one's departure from the world. Everything depended on one word, Maktoub. Walking along the silence, he has no regret. If he died tomorrow, it would be because God was not willing to change the future. He would at least have died after having crossed the strait, after having worked in a crystal shop, and after having known the silence of the desert and Fatima's eyes. He had lived every one of his day intensely since he had left home so long ago. If he died tomorrow, he would already have seen more than Al-Shafat, and he was proud of that. Suddenly, he heard a thundering sound, and he was thrown to the ground by a wind such as he had never known. The wood area was swirling in dust so intense that it hid the moon from view. Before him was an enormous white hot reeling over him with a frightening scream. When the blinding dust had settled a bit, the boy trembled at what he saw. Astride, the animal was a horseman dressed completely in black with a falcon fetched on his left shoulder. He wore a turban, and his entire face, except for his eyes, was covered with a black kerchief. He appeared to be a messenger from the desert, but his presence was much more powerful than that of a mere messenger. The strange hot man drew an enormous curved sword from a scarbat mounted on his saddle. 
the steel of its blade glittered in the light of the moon. Who dares to read the meaning of the flight of the harks? He demanded so loudly that his swords seemed to echo through the fifty thousand palm trees of Alpha Yong. It is I who dare to do so, said the boy. He was reminded of the image of Santiago Matamoros mounted on his white horse with the infidels beneath his hoofs. The men looked exactly the same, except that now the roles were reserved. It is I who dare to do so, he repeated, and he lowered his head to receive a blow from the sword. Many livers will be saved, because I was able to see through the soul of the world. The sword didn't fall. Instead, the stranger lowered it slowly, until the point touched the boy's forehead. It drew a droplet of blood. The horseman was completely immobile, as was the boy. It didn't even occur to the boy to flee. In his heart, he felt a strange sense of joy. He was about to die in pursuit of his personal legend, and for Fatima, the omens had been true, after all. Here he was, face to face with his enemy, but... There was no need to be concerned about dying. The soul of the world awaited him, and he would soon be a part of it, and tomorrow his enemy would be a part of the soul. The strangers continued to hold the sword at the boy's forehead. Why did you read the flight of the birds? I read only what the birds wanted to tell me. They wanted to save the horses. Tomorrow, all of you will die, because there are more men at the Oasis than you have. The source remained where it was. Who are you to change what Allah was willed? Allah created armies, and he also created the hawks. Allah taught me the language of the birds. Everything has been written by the same hand, the boy said remembering the camel driver's words. The stranger withdrew the sword from the boy's forehead, and the boy felt immensely relieved, but he still couldn't flee. Be careful with your prognostications, said the stranger. When something is written, there is no way to change it. All I saw was an army, said the boy. I didn't see the outcome of the battle. The stranger seemed satisfied with the answer, but he kept a sword in his hand. What is a stranger doing in a strange land? I am following my personal legend. It's not something you would understand. The stranger placed his sword in his scabbard, and the boy relaxed. I have to test your courage, said the stranger again. Courage is the quality most essential to understand the language of the world.
The boy was surprised. The stranger was speaking of things that very few people knew about. You must not let up, even after having come so far. He continued, "You must love the desert, but never trust it completely, because desert tests all men. It challenges very every step, and kills those who become distracted." What he said reminded the boy of the old king. If the warriors come here, and your head is still on your shoulders at sunset. Come and find me," said the stranger. The same hand that had brandished the short now held the whip. The horse reared again, raising a cloud of dust. "Where do you live?" shouted the boy as the horseman rode away. The hand with the whip pointed to the south. The boy had met the alchemist.